0: Well, hey everybody, it's Adam Schell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode sermon, we're continuing to explore that feeling that we've all had at one point or another in the aftermath of Christmas. At one point or another, we've all felt a little bit let down or a little bit disappointed or a little bit depressed. We've all felt like we've just missed out on Christmas. So over the last couple of episodes, we've been exploring stories about people who were there, who were in the story for the very first Christmas, but they missed out on the experience and we've been trying to learn from them. But in this episode sermon, we're going to take a little bit different approach. Instead of exploring the story of someone who missed the very first Christmas, we're going to talk about somebody who had every reason to miss it, but he didn't. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Joseph. And we're going to see what it was that kept Joseph from missing out on Christmas to help us make the most of Christmas this year. So let's get right into this episode sermon. So, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about a problem that we've all experienced after Christmas at one point or another in our lives. Now, it could have happened when you were picking up the shreds of wrapping paper laying on your living room floor after your kids and grandkids tore through all of their presents that year. And it may have happened for you when you were picking off the ornaments off of your Christmas tree, packing them away to be put up in your attic or your basement for another year. Or it could have happened after your Last Christmas brunch wrapped up and you said goodbye to your final guest for the season. But at one point or another, we've all felt like we missed Christmas. At one point or another, we have all felt like we missed Christmas. And I don't mean that in a literal sense like we slept through Christmas Day or anything along those lines. I mean that that, that we've all felt a little bit let down after Christmas is coming on for another year. I mean that we have all felt a little disappointed when Christmas has come and gone for another year. I mean that we've all felt a little depressed when Christmas has come and gone for another year. We've all felt like we've missed out on the point of Christmas at some point in our lives. But let's be honest, that's not the way that any of us want to feel this time of year. We don't want to feel let down, we don't want to feel disappointed, we don't want to feel depressed, we don't want to feel like we missed out on the purpose of Christmas. So we spent the last couple of weeks together exploring some different stories about people who literally missed out on the very first Christmas, so that we can learn from their mistakes and so that we can make the most out of our Christmas this year. So, three weeks ago, we talked about the innkeeper. The innkeeper in the story who was too full, who, whose inn was too full or too busy or whatever, and he just wasn't able to make room for Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. So, he missed out on Christmas because he didn't make room in his life for Jesus. Then, last week, we talked about Herod, who was king of the Jews when Jesus was born, and we talked about how his selfishness caused him to miss out on Christmas. Well, this morning we're going to turn our attention to one more person in the story that surrounds Jesus's birth. And just like the innkeeper, and Herod, this person that we're going to talk about had every opportunity to miss out on the very first Christmas. But somehow he didn't. Somehow he didn't miss Christmas. So this morning we're going to be talking about Joseph. And to be honest with you, Joseph is probably my favorite uh, person in in the whole birth story for Jesus Uh, because he's the one that I kind of have the most in common with. And here's what I mean I can't really identify with, with Mary and what Mary goes through during the Christmas story because I've never been pregnant. And I can't identify with somebody like Herod because I've never been the king over anything. I can't identify with the shepherds who show up a little bit later on in the nativity scene because I've, uh, you know, unlike the shepherds who had to watch over their flocks by night, I've never had to take care of any animal at night unless my dogs had too much water to drink before we put them in their pens. But Joseph, Joseph, I can put myself in his place. I can put myself in his proverbial shoes. Let me explain what I mean. Now, if you have your Bible with you this morning, let me encourage you to grab it, whether it's a printed one like mine or an app on your phone, and you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. And Matthew is one of four biographies that we have of Jesus' life inside of the New Testament. And in Matthew chapter 1, we are introduced to Joseph. So I want to read this story and start learning about this man. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start reading together in verse 18. Here's what Matthew writes. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married. Now I want to pause right here for just a second. I want to pause right here and think about what we've just heard because the first thing that we learn about Joseph inside of the story is that Joseph is engaged. Okay, And even though I've now been married to my wife for over 11 years, I can still remember what it was like to be engaged. When Ashley and I got engaged, I was living in Georgetown at the time, and she was living in Lexington. And I don't know how familiar you, familiar you guys are with Georgetown, but let me just tell you that it's not exactly known for its thriving jewelry market there. So I had to go down to Lexington to, to shop for a ring. And when I walked into the store, into that jewelry store, I had a great reminder of this a couple of weeks ago because we had to take Ashley's engagement ring to have it cleaned up and a little bit of work done on it. And and I got those same vibes again when I walked into this place. But when I walked into this jewelry store, I was like a deer in headlights, okay? I had never been in a jewelry store in my entire life, so I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to look. I didn't even know how to ask the, the people working there for help. But fortunately the people at this particular store were apparently trained to deal with us deer-in-the-headlight kind of guys uh, because the nice sales associate walks over to me and and she offers me a bottle of water and she asks me what I'm looking for and somehow through the dry cotton mouth that I was experiencing and the, the nerves that I had, I managed to squeak out in a voice that was probably a few octaves higher than I actually speak in that I was looking for an engagement ring and then she took it from there, okay? She walked me back into a little room at the back of the store where they showed me a video that explained the four C's of diamonds. That's carat, color, clarity, and cut, just in case you've missed out on this cool video in your lives. And after she showed me the video, she walks me out over to a counter and they get a tall stool for me to sit in and she gets out one of those black velvet pieces of fabric and she lays it across the counter and then she starts pulling out different rings and different settings and different diamonds and all of this fun sort of stuff for me to look at. She started showing me all the different styles and settings for the rings until I found the perfect one. And I knew it was the perfect one because we didn't even have to have it resized. It's like the ring was made for my future wife. Then the associate asked me how I was going to pay for it, and I got that deer-in-the-headlight look on my face all over again. Um, but we figured all that stuff out. And I walked out of the store with a nice little bag in my hand with a nice little box inside of it, and what was inside of that little box cost more than my first car. But that's okay. But, so I made it back into my car after my engagement shopping experience, and I let out a sigh of relief because... I thought that the hard part was over. I had the ring, now everything else was going to fall into place. kind of forgot that I still had to plan the proposal aspect of it. So now I had to think back on our entire relationship uh, to try to come up with the perfect proposal. So I thought back to our first date, where Ashley and I went to the movies. And you want to know what kind of movie we watched? I'm such a romantic. We went and we watched a war movie. I think it was called The Great Raid or something like that. And after thinking about that, I realized I was lucky to get a second date, so I said, okay, I'm not going to press my luck and take her to the movies again for this one. Uh, so I eventually settled on going, that we would go and we would have dinner at one of our favorite restaurants in Lexington, and then we'd take, around, take a walk around one of our favorite parks, and then I'd pop the question while we were in the park. And I had the whole thing worked out. We made it over to the park, and while Ashley was climbing out of the car, I reached in um, to, to the dashboard, and I pulled out the box, and I took the ring, and I slipped the ring down into my pocket because I figured if I was walking around with a fist-sized object in my pocket, it, I would give away what was going on. Um, and then, then I reached into the back seat of the car, um, and I grabbed this giant fortune cookie uh, that I had purchased so that we could have dessert while we were together out in the park. And then we walked around for a few minutes and we found a nice quiet spot with a bench there. We broke that cookie open. And when Ashley broke the cookie in half, she read the fortune that I had had written and put inside for it. And it said, when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. I told you I'm a romantic. Even, even if I have to steal lines from when Harry met Sally, I can pull it off sometimes. Okay. And then I got down on one knee, and I asked Ashley to marry me. And the next thing I know, Ashley's on a plane to China. And you're laughing, but I'm serious. <laughs> I proposed, uh, proposed marriage, and Ashley left the continent... But in all fairness, she did tell me yes before she left, and she didn't actually leave for China for a couple more weeks after we got engaged. But i got to tell you, when your fiancé leaves the hemisphere that you're living in, right after you get engaged, it can make you a little bit self-conscious. But all kidding aside, I still remember how exciting that time was in our lives. I still remember how much we enjoy not just planning out our wedding, but dreaming about what our future life was going to be like together for years to come. So I don't have a lot of problems putting myself into Joseph's place and imagining what he must have felt like in the story. Joseph must have been overjoyed that he was engaged to Mary and that in a matter of months they would become husband and wife. And I'm sure that they spent plenty of time together, not just imagining what their wedding celebration was going to be like, but also dreaming about what their life together was going to be like. Here's the thing. All of that happiness, all of that excitement, all of that joy that Joseph was feeling, its about to go flying out the window. And we'll see why as we keep reading in Matthew chapter 1. We'll pick back up at the start in verse 18 and see what happens. So once again, Matthew writes, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. Can you imagine what Joseph must have felt like when he heard that news? Joseph must have felt like he had just run face first into a brick wall. Because all of his hopes, all of his dreams, all of the joy that he had been feeling comes crashing down with three little words. She became pregnant. She became pregnant pregnant. His bride to be was pregnant. And Joseph wasn't the father. So he must have felt confused. He must have felt betrayed. He must have felt angry. But most of all, he must have felt heartbroken. But Joseph does the honorable thing. He decides that he is going to call off their engagement. And I want you to understand that this is no small decision on Joseph's part. Because engagement was different in Joseph's time than it is today. When you were engaged in ancient Israel, you were essentially already married according to the law. So when Joseph decides that he is going to break off his engagement, he is still legally bound to Mary and to her family. And that means that Joseph still has to pay the dowry price that he had agreed upon to Mary's father, even though he was no longer going to marry his daughter. And Joseph, he's a carpenter, so he couldn't have been a very rich guy. So here's the truth about Joseph for you. After Joseph paid off the dowry that he owed to Mary's father because he was simply engaged to his daughter, even though Joseph was not going to be marrying her, he was still on the hook for the entire dowry once he paid it, he would probably never be able to save up enough money or resources to pay for another dowry. So when Joseph decides that he is going to quietly divorce Mary, he agrees to never get married, to never start a family of his own, to never do the things that he would have dreamt of his entire life by agreeing to divorce Mary even though Joseph had done nothing wrong in this situation instead of forcing her to stand trial and possibly be executed for being pregnant outside of marriage Joseph was, Joseph was giving up his future so at this point in the story Joseph is on the verge of missing out on the very first Christmas. And he has a really good reason to. He has a really good reason to miss out on the first Christmas. Joseph happily ever after went flying out the window as soon as he learns that Mary became pregnant. But we've all seen nativity sets that kind of look like this one we're starting to build here. And we know that Joseph ends up at Mary's side when Jesus comes into this world. So how is it that Joseph is able to set aside everything else that has happened and not miss out on the first Christmas? Let's go back to Matthew's Gospel and see what happens. We'll start reading in Matthew 1, verse 20. Here's what Matthew says. As Joseph was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because the child that she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, For Emmanuel means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did just as the angel from God commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. So in this story, an angel appears to Joseph and everything changes. I mean, verse 24 tells us specifically when Joseph woke up from his dream, he did exactly what the angel from God commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. Now I can tell you that I have never had an angel appear to me, and I'm pretty sure if I did that it would be a life-altering moment and I would do whatever the angel told me to do. But I'm not entirely sure that this angel's appearance explains entirely Joseph's change of heart. So what happens in this passage that really turns the story around? How does Joseph really go from being on the the verge of divorce court to immediately agreeing to take Mary as his wife? Well, I think Adam Hamilton, who is an author and fellow pastor, gives a really good answer to this question in his book, The Journey, Walking Toward Bethlehem, when he writes this. It says, at the very moment, at that very moment, when Joseph felt his lowest, God was at work in Mary's womb, doing the greatest thing that God had done since the creation of the human race. God was orchestrating the birth their Savior. Now, over the last few weeks, as we've explored the story of the innkeeper and the story of Herod, we saw both of them make the same mistake that caused them to miss out on Christmas. The innkeeper was so busy attending to his guests that he failed to realize that the Son of God, that our Savior, that Jesus was coming into the world when Mary and Joseph stood outside of his inn right in front of his face, that holy night. And Herod, Herod was so caught up in himself and what he wanted that he failed to realize that the Son of God, that our Savior, that Jesus, had come into the world even when the wise men told him that good news. Joseph doesn't make that same mistake even though Joseph was confused and angry and heartbroken about everything that had happened, he still realized what was happening. He still realized that God was about to enter into this world. And that's what Christmas is all about. God has entered our world. God has entered our world. The same God that created our world and everything in it, including you, has entered into this world because of God's love for you. Now, today's December 22nd, right? Christmas is just three days away and there are probably a million little things that you feel like you need to get done over the course of the next couple of days. You may have a few more gifts that you need to buy or a couple of presents that still need to be wrapped. You may have some toys that need to be assembled and put together before Christmas morning rolls around. You may have some cookies that you need to bake before Christmas dinner is served. And you may still have to deal with that bumper-to-bumper traffic, or you may have to deal with that house guest that you wish you could throw out into traffic. But Christmas, Christmas isn't about any of those things. Christmas is about Christ. Christmas is about Christ. And if you get too focused in on anything else, if you get too focused in, like the innkeeper did, on how busy you are and everything that needs to get done, or if you get too focused in, like Harry did, on you and what you want out of this Christmas, if you get too focused in on anything else besides Jesus, You are always going to end up feeling like you missed something at Christmas because Christmas is all about Christ. So here's what I want to challenge you to do between now and the time that Christmas Day rolls around later this week. I want to challenge you to spend some time thinking about (coughs) this good news. Thinking about what it means that God has entered into our world. Thinking about what it means that Christ was born on Christmas. And spend some time thinking about the fact that God did it. That God sent his one and only son into this world. Because of how much God loves you. Let's pray God, as we've talked about all throughout this season, you know that there are so many things that we try to fill our lives with at Christmas. From shopping, to wrapping, to opening presents, from family get-togethers and food that needs to be cooked or baked or whatever, God. You know that we fill our lives with so much stuff that we hardly leave room in the season for you. There's no wonder that we've all felt like we've missed Christmas at some point or another in our lives. So God, challenge us. Challenge us to be different this year. Let us reflect on what it means that you entered into this world when Jesus was born, laid in that manger. Let us reflect on what it means that you did this, that you stepped down out of the heavens, that you came down to this earth because you love us that much. Let us remember what Christmas is really about and be changed by the good news that Christ was born for us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and thank you for listening to this episode of our Sermon Podcast. And as you listened, I hope you didn't just learn a little bit more about Joseph. I hope you learned from Joseph. Because Joseph recognized the one thing that happens at Christmas that really matters. That God entered into this world. That's something that the innkeeper missed in the in all of his busyness at Christmas. That's something that Harry the Great missed in his selfishness at Christmas. But Joseph didn't forget what this season is all about, that God entered this world. And as you start your Christmas celebrations this week, don't lose sight of that either. Now, in our next episode, we're going to be finishing up the sermon series, and we're going to be talking about what we can do to make sure that we don't feel like we missed out on Christmas, but also that we don't miss out on Christ in our lives. Now, that episode will drop next Tuesday, and if you subscribe to our our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And before I go, I just want to tell you that just because this episode is coming to an end, I don't want you to forget what you've heard. Spend some time as Christmas draws near, as you're celebrating Christmas this week, reflecting on the good news that God has entered this world and that God did it because of his love for you. And we'll see you back here for another sermon podcast next Tuesday.